There will be no funny business. This is going to be a little bit different this time, guys. Um, there's a lot going on right now, if you're not aware. Um, I'm America. That's James. This is still City Wave Cinema. However, I want to put a big disclaimer at the beginning of this that we are making this purely for ourselves um, and in support of the writers and actors and everyone who worked on this movie. Um, we'll not be promoting the company or anything like that. Um, because in case you don't know, as time of recording of this, we are in a strike. A big old strike. Uh, the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA have all gone on strike. Um, we are not currently in the union. Neither of us are. Um, I, but I was an actor in theater for quite some time. And in the case that we ever get the opportunity to do that again... Um, we just want to make it really clear where we stand and that we are standing on the side of actors and performers and creators and writers and pretty much any artistic individual. Any non-corporate entity. Any non-corporate entity. Um, I think it's, it's definitely going to be weird. Um, we're going to do our best to make it not weird, but it's definitely something that we kind of need to talk about up front here. Um, this isn't normally a serious podcast or something that we take. I'd, I'd wager most of the time it's very <laughs> unserious. Um, but we do want to make sure that it's understood why we're doing this and what we're doing it for. Um, this is part of our content and art, part of our creation and part of our channel. Um, and it's not sponsored, it's not promoted anyway by any corporate entity. This is just purely for us, it's what we've been doing, it's what we will continue to do. Uh, but we do want to make it clear that we'll be putting links to support both strikes um, in our live stream as well as in our podcast description. If you can, even if it's just sharing something on social, like make sure that we're supporting the right people and we're all banding together because as an artist community, everything that's going on is really shitty. Um, it sucks and nobody wants to have this going on, but it is what's going on right now. And we are, we'll not be taking any deals with any corporations. We will not be um, paid to promote anything um, that would interfere with the strike and interfere with all of the people that are just trying to honestly get the pay and respect they deserve. So, yeah, I wanted to kind of just get that out there, get that done. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to talk about about the strike, James. No, not really. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it sucks, but this is where we're at. And hopefully we can do what we can to support our friends and fellow creators and fellow artists um, who are affected by the strike. And yeah, I think that's that. With that, um, we did watch our movie. We watched Castle in the Sky. Um, 
we're going to avoid kind of saying any studio names or uh, corporate names in this. Um, but it is a Hayao Miyazaki film. It was on our list. It was what was voted for. Uh, it's my favorite one out of his set of movies. Honestly, it's, it is my favorite one. I love ya. Love this movie. It's great. I think it has the best soundtrack out of any of them. Um, I like the story. It hits all of my favorite things in a movie. So, yeah. But James is, James is the one that's really diving in here for the first time. So, what'd you think, James? Well... Of all the Miyazaki movies you've made me watch up to this point, this is easily the one that there's the least wrong with. Um, there's just not... There's not as much dumb plot stuff. There aren't characters that are just making criminally insane decisions. Uh, the story is a little... I mean, it's a far-fetched story, but it's a it's a fairy tale. It's a movie for kids. You can be asked to suspend your disbelief for any amount of things. I feel like it's the least batshit crazy. It's of definitely. The plot. <laughs> it, I mean, it's definitely the least batshit crazy in that there's just nothing that's really insane about it, save for the outrageous body count and the. Subtle undertones of classism and ra uh, 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 not racism, but like speciesism, speciesism. I don't know. M Muska gets fucking weird there at the end, uh, a la the Nazis. So yeah, maybe it is racism. I'm not sure. But the, the really like malevolent portions of the movie are kind of saved for the end. Uh, other than the fact that they are just violent people through and through the movie. I feel like, though, as far as, like, the racism and stuff, I feel like it's a little bit more, like, a grounded plot. Like, you have Spirited Away, which It's much is, more realistic than Yeah, it's... you Because I, I think a lot of... The, there's lots of hard topics in any of the Miyazaki films and some underlying um, societal tones there, but I think this one... Oh, and there's a strong, like, healthy dose of strangely accepted, like, all-the-way ped pedophilia in this yeah, movie. Yeah, there is that. Like, um... front to back, everyone wants to fuck the protagonist, who is maybe nine. Like, I think she's at least, like, 13, maybe? Maybe, but how old was the Chicken Howl's Moving Castle? 18? Yeah. She was 18. Sophie was, like, 18. Sophie was 18. 18. Okay. What's her fucking name in this movie? Uh, Sheeta. Sheeta. Sheeta and Sophie are hugely different ages. That is fair. And Sheeta's clearly younger. I would say, like, 13. Like, I'd say, like, she's just a fresh teenager. It doesn't make it better or worse how old the individual is. It makes it better for... Nine seems real young. Have you seen what Patsu looks like? He looks like a nine-year-old boy. And they look like they're the same age. They're the same height, the same build. They look the same. If anything, if Patsu looks like a nine-year-old, 
then Sheeta's should be, because girls develop faster than boys, Sheeta's should be, like, seven? We do, like, eleven? I, I don't know. I don't know how old she's supposed to be, and Miyazaki doesn't tell us. Did you look? No. I'm gonna look. Look. Look and tell me how old Sheeta is, because I will not believe you immediately. Um, to start the movie, we just tap into... Now, this all... I should mention, this is the first of Miyazaki's movies. Oh, it is? I did not know this that. This is the first one. This 13-year-old orphaned girl. Okay. Boom! So she's 13. Doesn't change anything about what I said. No, but it made me feel better about, like, their little, like... Their little love ordeal? Yeah, their little romance, because I don't feel like nine-year-olds should be doing that. Although, they didn't really have a romance. They, they were just, they were cutesy. They were cutesy, but they... The good thing about Patsu is that he doesn't push anything ever at all. No. And he's just like, he's just along for the ride. He's just hanging out. Patsu's the real homie. He's just, he's just out here doing stuff. We love a Patsu. Patsu doesn't know what the fuck's going on at any given time, except for when he needs to know every bit of plot, in which case, Patsu is the exposition boy. <laughs> he really is, though. He has sometimes, sometimes there's nothing left to push the plot forward, so Patsu does a monologue, and then we get to move forward again. <laughs> Uh, which happens, I think, twice. It, it, it does happen to the point where you're like, how do you know? Like, he's just like... Why do you know this many things? And he's just, a lot of the time, he's just quote-unquote guessing. Like, he's just like, I feel like I think this. And I'm like... He, I, at the end, in one of his ending monologues, he was just like, I bet you it's this, this, and this, and this. And you go, that's true, but why? <laughs> why did you guess that thing in that order? I don't understand. What What led you... I'm 27. What led you to know? So, we open the movie with uh, Japan's greatest fetish uh, from the 1980s, and that is airships everywhere, all over the goddamn place. I love an airship, but I'm also a Final Fantasy girl, and they're in Final Fantasy a lot, too, and I just want one. I just want to be on an airship so bad. I want to ride on an airship. I want to be... What about the third Indiana Jones movie? When they go on the airship. What about it? It's what inspired the whole game Papers, Please. Do you like that movie because Airship? I mean, I'm an, I like Indiana Jones as much as the next person, but I like fantasy airships. Like Final Fantasy. I mean, it's a fantasy to get a Nazi airship in the mid-80s. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> J- Japan is a, a big fetish with airships from the 1980s. Um, we get a shot of Cheetah in this fucking... Was she with Muska mm-hmm. in the beginning? Yeah, he okay. had gotten her. They came okay. and kidnapped her from her house. So, right, but that's explained later. So in this big old ship, which has like civilians and shit on it, it's like a pleasure cruiser. It seems like it's like a rich people... It, it, it gives... It gives boat. It's giving money. Mm-hmm. Because they have a whole gala upstairs. Oh, yeah, there's people in fancy dress and all that shit. So they're going, and Sheeta's in this room looking out the window all forlorn, and there's, like, a bunch of, like, adult men in this room with her, and you go, hmm, this seems like kidnapping. It's and also then, like she's refusing to eat the food they oh bring yeah. her. Oh, yeah, he offers her a plate, and she just, like, moves her head, and you go, oh, that's what kidnapped children do. Uh, So, very early on, it, they establish a tone here of like, oh, everything's bad. 
uh, and then these insane pirates who are also in an airship that looks like if Dr. Eggman and a turkey fucked <laughs> uh, and made a metal ma- amalgamation from hell. The Dola uh, Gang? Oh yeah, the Dola Gang. They, they, they launch these little buzzy flyer things and they're going to assault this ship because they're also after the girl, but they're not after the girl for the girl's sake. They're after the girl for the pendant that she wears, uh, the crystal. Uh, and so they're pirates looking for treasure, I guess, and she wants this crystal. I still don't remember exactly how Mama Dola figured out about the crystal and that it was valuable. I don't think, I I don't think that's, like, ever really explained. It's just, like... It's my crystal! Mine! 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 I think that people, people know that Laputa has treasure, and they know that the crystal gets you to the treasure, and that's that. So there you go. I mean, it's very simplistic stuff. Uh, the pirates roll up, str- assault this boat, kill a bunch of people, uh, and it, unlike other Miyazaki movies, where uh, like things are just like strange or you don't see it, they like shoot guns and shit. Mm-hmm. They fire grenades. Like it's a violent movie. It's um, it's it's a very much more like I feel like te- technological movie compared to like yeah. Well, I mean, Household Castle was automated, but it was controlled by. Calcifer, so right. Um, but yeah, I think this is the first one where, and it is his first one, but this is the first one that we've watched on this channel. Um, where, like, we see guns and like cannons and like proper like war fodder. Yeah, which Miyazaki did all that on purpose. Well, I guess Hal's did too, because they had the whole war when they were dropping bombs and stuff too. Yeah, they had the war, but that was a lot more of fantastical design. The Miyazaki straight ripped off. Uh, England from World War II and Germany from World War II for the costume design and the weaponry design and all that shit. Yeah. Now, the antagonist in this movie is every human being that you see that is not Sheeta and uh, Patsu. Wait, the townspeople are pretty chill. They brawl. Of the mining community. They brawl the pirates. But they do it to defend Sheeta and Patsu, so wouldn't that make them heroes? I guess they're they're not antagonists. Every other person is though. Uh, Sheeta also just falls off the airship. Yes. As the pirates are coming for her, and she knocks out Muska with a bottle, and then is like, "Fuck it, we climb out the window." Uh, so she climbs out the window, and then she's scurrying along the side, and then the pirates are like, "Where she is, get her!" And then she just straight up falls. Uh, now I would like to posit that. A entirely realistic explanation for the rest of this movie is that she falls to her death, and in her dying moment, this is the hallucination that she has. Uh, that's dark. It's probably not true, but I like to think about it. Uh, Mark Hamill's in the movie. He uh, is. He's plays the bad guy, and he's ah. He's a fantastic actor in this uh, movie. His voice acting is really. Really, like, just supreme. So, uh, Sheeta falls straight down, passes out somewhere along the way, probably due to lack of oxygen from the upper atmosphere. Uh, falls, the crystal fires off and saves her by slowing her descent to a gentle float down. Uh, she's floating down, floating down, floating down. Patsu appears, he gets some dinner from a local vendor. Talks about how he's working late night at the mines because they're super busy. 
Uh, and then they proceed to they find proceed to, nothing. Yeah, they're super busy doing fuck all, apparently. He's, like, really excited. He's like, they're it's we're actually busy stuff. for once. And then they all, like, I guess we're not finding anything going home. <laughs> uh, yeah. Things just sort of happen around these characters. Um, so Patsu sees this shiny, bright thing falling from the sky, and he goes, is that a body? And he's running off, and he gets back to the mine, and he runs down, and he gets to a midway point in the mine where he's, like, kind of elevated, and she's not going to go all the way past him. And he sees it's this girl, and he's like, oh, that's fucking crazy. And he just, like, sets down the meal that he got, and he sticks his arms out, and she sort of floats down onto his arms, but she's still floating because of the crystal. And so he's got her. And then the crystal light sort of fades. And then she drops like a rock because she still weighs normal people amounts of weight. And uh, Patsu is the, this is the first of many instances where Patsu is the strongest human alive. Because he goes from standing knees locked, arms straight out over a precipice, holding her as she floats, to her weighing things again. And his back and his knees all give out at the same time. And he gets down into, like, the deepest squat. Like, he hits his ass on the ground underneath him. And she's, like, below his feet. And he's, like, lower back uh, tears it asunder as he stands all the way back up with her. And then he sets her down and he has to go do, like, work and shit. And I will say, it wasn't until you kind of brought it to my attention, but uh, the... The amount, the feats of strength that Patsu presents. He has in grip this movie. strength that would make modern day blacksmiths envious. Like, he's so strong. Like, I don't really, I, I haven't watched this movie in quite some time, and I did watch it for the first time when I was pretty young. Um, and to me, I was never like, I never, I never really thought about it, but now as he's an just adult, so strong. as an adult, I'm like, that's. That's a lot of upper body strength you got there. And lower body strength. He runs. Dude, did you see? There's another example. When he leaves the military base and he runs all the way back to the town and then he gets on the flyer with the Dola gang and they fly back to the military base, it takes him like three hours to fly back to the base. He ran nonstop from the base to his home. Patsu's a superhero. Patsu is not a real human being. Dude is a figment of her imagination. James is still living in the highly strong she's dead category. She's dead. Uh, also, Patsu has like 19 jobs. Uh, he has to assist with running all the gear in the mines. He also has to wake up the entire town uh, with a bugle. Also, what kind of a town is situated just on cliffs? I mean, like, there are houses built directly into the side of cliffs with no access points to them at all. Uh, which is a very pretty thing to see, but if you think about it with any amount of logic, you sit there and go, how do people live here? I don't understand. I It was something James brought. He, he made me pause the movie, and I was like, what? And he's like, are those houses there? And I was like, yes. And he's like, how, how do, do people get, get there? And I was like, them? I don't know. Dude, one earthquake and the whole city falls into the gorge or into the ocean or whatever. I think it's like, like a... Yeah, I think it's, it's like I a think gorge. it's a ravine. Yeah, it's like uh, they say it's a valley, but there's clearly a ravine in yeah. the valley. So Patsu also like in in a as a Shida wakes up in his house, and also Patsu lives alone in this house. Yeah, he's uh, an orphan. Well, everyone's an orphan, okay. So Patsu wakes up and 
It wakes up the town with his bugle. It also wakes up Sheeta. Sheeta wakes up, and they have a quick conversation. They feed some birds. Patsu's got Riz like a motherfucker. Uh, but he's also dumb. He is a himbo, and there is no getting around that. He he uh, he's smooth he's smooth though. He goes, He's smooth, but he's not trying to get any, so that makes him a himbo. He he very much was just like, I thought you were an angel the way you fell down from the sky, and I was like, My heart, my young childhood heart was like, I love you, Patsu. <laughs> so Patsu takes the crystal and he goes, Watch this, and he jumps off his roof. Cause she yeah, he was trying to explain to he her. He was trying to science his way through what the crystal does, but he doesn't know how the crystal works. It's very a very scientific method here of trying to figure out how it works, and instead he just falls two stories through some bricks. To be fair, Sheeta doesn't know how it works either. That's, that's true. That's why he was trying to show her, is because she's like, "What do you mean my crystal was floating?" I think it like I think for most of her life she thought it was just a family heirloom necklace. Sure. So, so he falls. He gets just shit on by this fall, and like bricks are on him and stuff, and he's like, "Uh." Ow. Hatsu has then, to be a superhero. And then Sheeta falls on him from another 10 feet up and like impacts like body on body just wrecks his shit. And he's underneath her going, oh, oh. it's the only time he's ever in actual pain. He has to be a superhuman. He also got shot in the face and did not flinch. Yeah, he has to be a superhuman. He has superhero strength. He's super fast. And he's basically indestructible. He's just one punch man. So uh, he, he decides that he's going to make some breakfast for them. Uh, and so he cooks up some eggs and shit. And then they get interrupted. Uh, well, they don't get interrupted. He, he calls her to breakfast and she's like staring at this poster because his dad found the lost city of Laputa. Sorry. Laputa. Laputa. Whatever. Miyazaki didn't know it was bad. Laputa. It's one of the only things in the fucking trivia is that he didn't know it was bad. And if oh, he, had, he knew. He, he didn't found, know. Well, he found out. Well, yeah, people fucking told him. Oh. Because in Spanish, it means the whore. And he was like, oh, it doesn't mean anything in English, nor does it mean anything in Japanese. So it doesn't. I'm sorry. If I had known it meant that in Spanish, I would not have named it that. But yeah, the poor guy was just, you know, writing away. And then everyone was like, hey, in Spanish, that means the whore. And he went, oh, no. I uh, never really thought about it until you said it. So I'm in the Miyazaki boat of I was just like, Lapita, it's a pretty name. The whore. Oops. So the many entities that are coming to get the crystal have tracked it to this town. And somehow they all get to Patsu's house at the same time. Yes. Uh, which is just m incredibly convenient. So Patsu and... Well, actually, it's just the pirates that get to Patsu's house. They yes, don't, They don't yes. run into the military until the train. The, the pirates, yes, that's true. The pirates uh, get there, and Patsu uh, and Sheeta bug out, with Sheeta disguised as a boy. Uh, they fool the pirates for, like, 35 seconds. And then they have to book it. They book well, one it straight of them, into town. One of them finds her dress and is like, she's in disguise. So. But, yeah, that's why I say they got fooled for 30 seconds. Um, so they run into town. They go find Patsu's boss, uh, who is just absolutely going to go blow for blow with all of these fucking pirates. He is the man's man. 
and so then we are treated to the slowest fist fight of all time <laughs> as two guys who are just obsessed with being tough uh slowly punch each other until the whole town jumps the pirates uh I, which i think is hilarious i think it starts more like as a feats of strength sure because they both <laughs> rip their shirts with their barrel chests and then they punch each other and sweat and then they punch each other a bunch more um, and the mob mentality takes over. The mob over. mentality does take over. Also, the why does every antagonistic woman in Miyazaki films look the same? Because Dola looks like the witch. Dola looks like the witch, who also looks like uh, Sophie? No, the, oh, the other witch. Sophie's old form. Yes, because Sophie's elderly form looks like the. But witch she's not from an antagonist. Spirited you said Away. the witch in Howl's Moving Castle also looked like the witch in Spirited Away. They all have the same face, is what I'm saying. I think. Uh, Easy design, I guess. I think Miyazaki really knew how to draw one lady, and that it's was not it. Not a pretty one. <laughs> uh, the children escape out the back. Uh, Dip out on into the rest of the mining town. Uh, the Madame Dola, the pirate queen, fucking uh, spies them through spyglass and is like, "We gotta get the boys!" and takes their car through town to get the boys. Also, throws a grenade at the townspeople, like a whole entire. Uh, I thought it was a Molotov. No, no, no. She throws a. Uh, it's a. It's the German grenade from World War Two. It's the steel hand grenade. Oh, okay. I know this because I played video games religiously. Um, I always thought it was Molotov all this nope, time. It's a potato masher grenade. It's like a square charge that's activated when you twist the thing at the bottom of the handle and you eat. It's like pulling the pin on a pineapple grenade. Um, Is that what they're called? Not officially, I don't think. Okay. But their shape is reminiscent of a pineapple. It's like a it's like a layman's term for it. Um. This is a the first instance of Patsu having information he should not have in that he knows who the pirate gang is. Uh, they could be infamous. They could be infamous, but it is never stated that they are infamous, so we don't know why Patsu knows who they are. Not a huge deal, but it's the first of many occasions where Patsu knows too many things. Um... We can just add super intelligence to yes. his uh, list of superpowers. This begins a chase sequence of the pirates chasing the kids and causing an insane amount of destruction to the town. Yeah, can we talk about the like, infrastructural damage and how much that would cost to repair? Like Avengers battle the aliens in New York levels of infrastructure damage to this mining town. It will take them... Decades years, to repair that railroad. Years to repair the railroad. Also, then the military shows up, uh, and we're like, hooray, the guys with guns are here. But then the guys with guns have the fucking Colonel Musco with them, and that's, oh, that's no good. So now those guys are also the bad guys. Uh, through a myriad of series of events, uh, the pirates are shooting at the military, the military's shooting at the pirates, everybody wants Sheeta. The railroad falls apart. 
and Patsu's got a hand on one railroad spar as it's swaying, and he's got Sheeta wrapped around him like a huggable teddy bear, and they're dangling, and he's just hanging there, and he's just hanging there, and he's just hanging there, and I don't know how many 13-year-old boys you know who can hold their own body weight and dangle with one arm, but also hold a female of the equivalent age on their one arm. But he holds until his grip slips. Uh, and then they fall, uh, and they fall very far, and everyone just sort of watches it happen. And then the crystal kicks in again, and they start floating, and they float down into the mines, and Patsu and Shida are, like, ecstatic that they've seen it happen. It's crazy, it's wild, it's a magic crystal. Uh, they make it down into the mines, dip into an offshoot tunnel, uh, where they decide they're going to have a snack. Uh, and Patsu busts out the toast and the eggs that he cooked earlier this morning. Um, I don't know what kind of magic happens to Miyazaki eggs, but I know if you cook an egg and then have a morning's worth of adventures, uh, and then pull that egg out of your pocket, that egg is not edible. It's just not. It, cold eggs are bad, cold, abused, sweaty, awful eggs. <laughs> Horrible. And they slurp them up right there. They make a whole, there's, it's all animated. They just suck them down like noodles. They're hungry. They, runny egg that's cold in your mouth. Does it not just make you go, I've never been really hungry when it's time to eat an egg, so... I wouldn't know. I, I cannot believe they had the egg. Anyway, they eat their horrifying snack, and then they are greeted by Uncle Palm. Uncle Palm is like a crazy old coot, uh, and he says crazy shit to them about how the rocks are alive and shit, and they talk to you. And then he blows out his lantern, and then he is no longer a crazy motherfucker because the rocks all glow. And then he explains to them about this magical thing called Ethereum. Uh, which is coincidentally named because a form of money in D&D is called Ethereum, and it's the dumbest currency. Uh, I think Ethereum, though, as a concept, is pretty cool. Like that, it The way was, it works in this movie? Well, and it, too, the fact that it, it's just a... It's another uh, societal commentary about how, like, we have this rich resource that people could definitely be utilizing um that would be more efficient and better than the resources that they are using and we're just not yes um because ethereum is everywhere and he makes a point of talking about how at one point humans knew how to mine it which is how laputa exists um and then humans just stopped and forgot and now everybody's poor. And then Uncle Palm has this whole, like, episode where, like, she pulls her crystal out and it's singing and stuff. And he's like, ah, put it away. It's too much for my old frail body. It's too pure. It's too loud. I mean, uh, for yeah. someone who listens to the rocks all the time. And it must just be screaming. It's also bright as shit. It is so, bright. Like, it lights up the whole thing. When he's, you've been in the darkness for so long, and then you look at a really bright thing, I could see it. How do they get captured? 
I don't recall they how leave, they go from they Uncle leave Palms the mine. To capture. They leave the mines and they go up on the hill and talk for a minute. Well, don't do that shit. Because they go and get themselves captured. Uh, and the military <laughs> takes both of them, uh, separates the two of them, keeps uh, Sheeta in a fancy room, and tosses well, our I, boy Patsu into like a dungeon esque room. I think it's pretty clear that Muska intends to because he's the quote unquote, he, he's the quote unquote king descendant and she's the princess descendant i think his whole intent is to wed that's a polite Shida word and repopulate laputa as the new king i guess listen everyone's so fucking skeevy and perverted in this movie uh, and Muska is honestly one of the least showcasey about it. it. There is something to be said, though, um, and it doesn't make it right, and it doesn't make it okay, and I'm not saying that I agree with it, but the legal age of consent in Japan is 13. Huh. Anyway, uh, everybody wants to fuck up her life uh, just tremendously. So Muska goes on this whole thing where they, he and the general, who's played by Jim Cummings, a magnificent actor, uh, need to get information out of her about where Laputa is. Uh, They do a bunch of different stuff to try to get her to talk, and she's actually just ignorant of what Laputa is or where it is or how to make the crystal work or anything. Uh, So then they... uh, they make a deal. Make a deal with her to let Patsu go if she will cooperate with them, which is actually the best kind of deal that could have been reached because she actually doesn't know anything. So she could cooperate all she wants. It won't benefit them at all. She uh, very accidentally she the rest def- of the plot. Yeah, she accidentally is her way to winning. Uh, but loses a bunch of times on the way there. Well, I'm also saying she accidentally is the rest of the plot because she just says some old, uh, like spell that her par- her grandmother told her, and it just happens to be the correct one. Yes, and it lights that robot on fire. Uh, so Patsu books it home, uh, because now he's sad and dejected and doesn't have a direction. Uh, so he goes home and is immediately. Tied up and captured by the pirates, who, I guess, just know where he lives. He broke... Well, they did find oh, him yeah, there. Oh, yeah, they did find him there. Uh, he, they uh, broke into his house and just ate all his shit. They ate all his food. Um, and then he convinces them to let him go with them. And Mama Dola goes, you know what? She'll behave better if you're there. That's a great idea. You leave in one minute. And so they fucking wrap dinner and get the fuck out of there. I mean, Patsu has a little bit of self-serving in this because his dad originally found Laputa and everyone called him crazy and that's quote-unquote what led him to his demise. We don't really know what that is. but yeah, that, really But that's basically what happened is that his father um, was flying, found Laputa, came back and told everyone and everyone's like, you're insane. And so I think Patsu has some some stake in this whole mission of just trying to... Prove, prove that his dad wasn't crazy. Yeah, prove that his dad wasn't crazy. And he also he also wants to find Laputa. So he does have some stake in the game that's not just based around Sheeta. 
So they go to go rescue Sheeta. Sheeta says a magic spell from her little trapped room, uh, which activates the robot who is missing one foot and one arm. Uh, the robot fell from the sky. Yes. In, like, before the movie started, the robot had fallen from the sky, which is how people started even looking for Laputa, like the government, because they found the robot, and they were like, oh, shit, maybe it's real. And so that's what kind of started this whole expedition to, from the government side, to find Laputa. And I think... I think I've kind of cracked it here. The only reason that Dola knows is because she's constantly, like, monitoring. Um, she's got their codes correct. Yeah, she's code-breaking against the military to go basically beat the military to any treasure, which is probably how she figures out about Laputa and the Crystal in the first place, is just listening to go. those um, transpondents. Transpondents? I don't know. So, a series of straight up death befalls a bunch of the military guys as the uh big old ship goliath has been called in to do the search and the robot activates and just goes ape shit on everybody and i mean it's indestructible to small arms fire uh it has a laser beam eye which carves through stone like it's melty butter uh this dude is out here to commit violence um, and also save the royalty of Laputa, but it only recognizes Sheeta as the royalty of Laputa because of her crystal. So uh, the base is basically assaulted and the robot gets shelled from right there. And it survives the first salvo, honestly. It just dents the hell out of its chest. And it's like, it's oh, it's not good, but it's still functioning. And then it gets hit again. And that really puts it down. The hardest part for me in this movie is actually, like, I feel really bad about the robots. All the robots. Because, like, they're clearly, like, have some sentience. Like, there's yeah. one that's just, like, genuinely kind to animals that's still kicking around and this one's just trying to protect Sheeta and it's like yeah they're not like living creatures they're robots but I don't know I still feel sad for like all of them including all those ones that like die at the end and stuff I'm just like what the the robots just seem like genuinely cool dudes who just want to take care of the city like why we gotta why we gotta do that to them so I, I it, like I honestly get upset every time and maybe it's some traumatic experiences from like the Iron Giant that are locked in my head. But um, yeah, no, I, I get really sad about every robot who dies in this fucking movie. <laughs> All right. I'm well past halfway in my notes. I don't know if you want to call this and do two episodes or yeah. if you just want to push. Through. No, no, we can do two episodes. This is All a right. good this is a good place for uh, two episodes. Cool. Um. So we will not be doing a live vote today because we had a tie last time. Um, but we will stop this episode here and we'll come back in part two.